Okay, they've laid the groundwork for us as we look at these three offices of Christ. Um, just very briefly, of course, each one of these could have its own teaching, uh, could have weeks of teaching, and certainly these themes will come up again and again. Uh, thinking of Christ and his threefold office it really helps us. When you start to read your Bible, uh, you start to just notice, oh, here he's really being prophet and priest and king, and it, it, it really opens up the scriptures and, and who Christ is. So uh, don't hear us taking one night for all three to say that it, uh, it's not worthy of spending more time on. Uh, in fact, uh, in the last few years, uh, uh, myself and Pastor Brian, uh, we, we actually did each of the offices separately, and I could send you links to those if you're curious about that. Um, and then Palm Sunday this last year also dealt with prophet, priest, and king. So there's ways to sort of dig in deeper uh, if you would like to. Um, but as we think of prophet, priest, and king, and uh, and how amazing uh, Jesus is, uh, not only if you take each of them separately, you would say that he's the greatest prophet, the king of kings, the, the great high priest, uh, but it's even amazing that he has all three of these roles in himself. If you look throughout the Old Testament, you have prophets, and you have priests, thank you, and you have kings. And it's very rare for a prophet to do something a king does or for a priest to do something a prophet does. Now, it does happen. Uh, there is, you know, if there's a Venn diagram, there's some, there's some bleed over uh, throughout redemptive history. Uh, I was thinking of Saul in particular. He, he does prophesy. He's a king. He prophesies, and people say, is Saul among the prophets? Do you remember this in the, in the early chapters of Samuel? Um, but So it does, there is crossover, but do you remember Saul's first big sin? There was a battle at Gilgal, and the Philistines were there, and he was waiting for Samuel to come, who was the one who was supposed to make the sacrifice. Uh, Did Saul wait for Samuel? No. Now, Saul didn't go and do something sort of directly sinful. I mean, you make a sacrifice to God at the time, that was very righteous. I mean, you make a sacrifice, but Saul was not the person to do it. So he took matters in his own hands, and as a king, tried to do something a priest would do. Um, and this was sort of the fork in the road that the kingdom was going to be taken away from Saul. But Jesus is different. Uh, all the prophets, priests, and kings of the Old Testament were, were just shadows pointing to the day when the Messiah would come, who would be the ultimate prophet, priest, and king, all in, uh, all in his uh, one person. And so let's look at each of these. Uh, Christ, our prophet. Uh, We saw in the catechism question that this means uh, that he reveals to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. Um, The Sunday school class helped us with Hebrews chapter 1, that uh, God spoke to us in many ways through the, uh, the fathers, by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Uh, Jesus is called the word of God, right, especially in the beginning of John. Uh, he is the word. And so when we think of Christ as prophet, it's, it's incredible to think that uh, prophets were the ones who would bring the word of the Lord to God's people. And now Christ is the ultimate prophet bringing God's word to us, indeed being the word of God for us. Now, each of these catechism questions, uh, uh, the catechism question leading up to them says that he executes this office both in his humiliation, and do you remember the other? His exaltation. Uh, And this is a way of speaking of Christ as he uh, came. Uh, We're going to see, Lord willing, when we get back in the school year, his humiliation started with his being born. (laughs) Uh, That was a humiliation. It was a humbling uh, of 
the God of the universe being born in, in human flesh, but then his, his sufferings, his death on the cross, his, his, uh, the ridicule, all of it is part of his humiliation. And then his exaltation is his rising again from the dead, his ascending to the Father, his being seated at the right hand of the Father in power. And so we want to look as prophet, he was prophet in his humiliation. Remember we saw a few weeks ago in Luke 16, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things, all of this teaching, and they ridiculed him. So here's the prophet that we've all been waiting for to bring the word of the Lord. He is the word of the Lord. And the religious leaders at the time who knew their Bible really well mocked him, ridiculed him. This was part of Christ's humiliation. Um, uh, Christ, the word of God, rejected by those who should have loved uh, his word. Uh, the prophet of Israel uh, went to the cross, and yet he also rose again. And in his exaltation, as we saw this morning, he said, all authority has been given to me. And then he tells the disciples, he, he empowers them to go. He gives them the teaching ministry, the apostolic teaching that founds the church that has continued to this day, where we get our New Testament scriptures. Uh, Christ didn't leave us as orphans. He, he gave us his word in such a way that his word and spirit would continue to speak to us. And so that's his humiliation, his exaltation. But with each, I also want to ask, what's Jesus doing now as prophet? Um, Because he's certainly not just waiting for us. Um, uh, What is he doing now? Uh, In John 10, 16, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Uh, Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. He's the great prophet. He loves to speak words of life to his people, and he's doing that now. When you sit down with your Bible and you pray and the Spirit's working and you're reading your Bible, you're hearing from Jesus, the prophet. They aren't just dead words on a page. It's Jesus speaking to you. Uh, And then especially when uh, any preacher, not just at this church, any faithful preacher gets up and preaches the word, um, it's Jesus speaking to his people by the Spirit. I, I forget where the quote comes from, but uh, it sticks in my brain that whenever a faithful preacher is preaching, uh, Jesus is walking up and down the aisles preaching individually to God's people. Um, How often, um, you know, someone comes up to me after a sermon and says, when you said this, that was really impactful. I was like, I don't think I said that, (laughs) Um, but thank you. (laughs) Um, It's amazing how the spirit works, even little details in the text or things that speak to our hearts. Jesus is still prophet, alive, risen, at the right hand of the Father, speaking to his people even now. So that's Jesus as prophet. What about Jesus as priest? The question reminds us that uh, he executes the office of priest in his once offering up of himself as a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice, to reconcile us to God, and in making continual intercession for us. This question almost answers our three questions Uh, You know, his humiliation, exaltation, and what is he doing now? Uh, Hebrews 7.25, I think Jacoby read this for us. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Uh, It's amazing. Jesus as prophet is both the prophet and the message. He's both. And Jesus as priest is both the high priest and the sacrifice. Um, so that John, uh, uh, John uh, the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, uh, says, uh, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
Uh, when he see, sees Jesus walking up, he knows. He's thinking of Isaiah 53. He knows in Christ's humiliation he came uh, to die for the sins of his people, to make intercession or uh, to, uh, to, uh, to satisfy the wrath of God on their behalf. Uh, this is the gospel that we preach, uh, that we uh, sinners, though we were uh, 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 weighed down by guilt and shame, Christ went to the cross as the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, sacrifices would go on again and again in the Old Testament, and, and that was good. It was temporary. It was meant to point forward to the one day when they would cease, and that day was Good Friday when Jesus died for the sins of his people. Uh, but in Christ's exaltation, uh, we don't stop celebrating him as the lamb that was slain. And the new heavens and the new earth, Revelation 5 tells us, we will cry out, worthy is the lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Uh, even, even the cross, which you would say was the lowest point of his humiliation, was in many ways the, the highest point of exaltation. He was lifted up on the cross so that all those who would look to him by faith would have life in him. Uh, but then as, as he rose again, as he's seated at the right hand of the Father, what is he doing now? You, you might know the answer to this one. What's Jesus doing now as priest? He's interceding for us, which is uh, one of those interesting words. Now, what is he not doing? He's not offering any more sacrifices. He's not being sacrificed, right? Hebrews says once for all, one sacrifice paid the whole price. So now he is interceding for us. Uh, if you think of you can go through the whole Old Testament and see examples of people interceding for other people. God would raise up <coughs> someone like Abraham or Moses who would then be praying on behalf of the people. Lord, have mercy on them. Lord, be patient with them. Lord, don't treat them according to their sin. That was the kind of intercession that they would do. And God, in his grace, used the means of them praying to, uh, to, to affect redemptive history in the life of those people. And now Jesus, the great high priest that the greatest Moses, the, the greatest Abraham, the, the great high priest is at the father's side. He has his father's ear, right? The father loves to hear the prayers of his son. And Jesus is interceding on your behalf. It's a pretty incredible reality um, that I haven't spent enough time thinking about. When you pray, we know from Romans uh, 8 that the spirit intercedes for us, helps us, right? When we don't know what to pray. Uh, but Christ is also interceding for us. Uh, we never pray alone, as it were. Jesus, our great high priest, uh, is, is our priest even now, interceding for us. And lastly, we'll look at Christ as king, which we looked at uh, some this morning, but we're reminded by the catechism question. Uh, he executes the office of a king in subduing us to himself, in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all of his and our enemies. Now, I love that first part, just the, the humility of, of the Westminster divines. They, they knew the gospel. His first role as king is to subdue us to himself. <laughs> uh, we were those rebellious citizens in the text this morning. He said, I don't want him to reign over me. I want to rule my own life. Uh, but Christ mercifully came and subdued us to himself, made us servants who love him, changed our hearts, and then he rules and defends us. Uh, he restrains and conquering and one day fully will conquer all of his and our enemies. Uh, and we saw from Luke chapter 1 that he has the throne of his father David, of his kingdom. There will be no end. And so what about his humiliation? We think of kingship as this great exalted 
uh, authoritative place, but here is the king, the son of David, come in a manger. Uh, Here is the king with the authority to heal and forgive and drive out demons uh, rejected. Uh, Here's the king of the Jews, uh, but that epitaph is put in three different languages to make sure that the mockery can be translated for everyone who would see it. And yet they didn't know that they were speaking the truth, that he really was the king of the Jews, uh, the king of his people. Uh, And so in his humiliation, he was king, but it looked very different than what people thought. The triumphal entry happened, but the triumphal entry ends with Jesus' tears over Jerusalem. Because he knows their hearts. He knows that they're, they don't get it. Uh, they don't understand who he is fully yet. At least not all of them do. And so he died a death of a criminal. And he was under the power of death for a time. And yet his humiliation is not the end of the story. He is exalted. <coughs> he is exalted. And so he rises again. He <coughs> we saw in Acts chapter 1. Uh, he he uh, empowers the apostles In Hebrews chapter 1, we just saw as the prophet, but it says after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Uh, John Calvin uh, has this to say about Christ as king. Uh, We may patiently pass through this life with its misery, cold, contempt, reproaches, and other troubles, content with this one thing that our king will never leave us destitute, but will provide for our needs until our warfare ended, we are called into triumph. This is Christ as king. What is he doing now as king? In one sense, we're waiting. In one sense, the king will return in fullness. Uh, And so we pray your kingdom come, partially meaning we look forward to its coming one day. But in in a very real sense, he is king now. He is in charge now. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's mine. I've sat down at the right hand of the Father. That was a position of authority, right? My work is done on the cross. I'm sitting down to rule. So that our message for the kings of the world is from Psalm 2. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish on the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed are all who take refuge in him. Uh, This is Christ the king in his full power. Uh, A joy to those who love him and a terror to those who would reject him and not want to follow him. But blessed are those who take refuge uh, in him. Uh, Let me read uh, some words to help us close here from uh, a theologian, Herman Bavink, that sort of brings together these three ideas, pro- prophet, priest, and king. In Christ's God-to-humanity relation, he is a prophet. In his humanity-to-God relation, he is a priest. And in his lordship over humanity, he is a king. Rationalism acknowledges only his prophetic office. Mysticism, only his priestly office. Millennialism, only his royal office. But scripture consistently and simultaneously attributing all three offices to him describes him as our chief prophet, our only high priest, our eternal king. Uh, Though a king, he rules not by sword, but by his word and spirit. He is a prophet, but his uh, word is power and really happens. He is a priest, but lives by dying, conquers by suffering, and is all-powerful by his love, mighty in speech and action. 
as a king and full of grace and truth in his royal rule. And blessed are all those who take refuge in this Christ, in this prophet who gives words of life and comfort as we need them, daily bread, like an anchor for our souls as our priest offering cleansing, forgiveness, consecration, setting us apart, life itself as our king, uh, subduing us to himself in, when we're converted, and then even other times when we veer off the path, he brings us back, he rules over us, he defends us, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And so would you and would I take refuge in this prophet, priest, and king? Well, let me pray for us. And God, we thank you for your word that it reminds us, uh, it, it brings right before us who Jesus is. And we thank you that he is our great prophet, speaking words of life to us. We pray that we would be receptive to his word even this week, that you would grow in us a love for his word. And we thank you that he is our great high priest, uh, Lord, that he not only uh, forgives us but cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Uh, Guilt is done away with at the foot of the cross, and we thank you for that. We thank you that he intercedes for us even now, praying on behalf of those here and the rest of this church. And we thank you that he is our king our refuge and strength. We can run to him like a tall tower. Uh, He's with us personally. He's with us as the church. And so we pray uh, that we would follow uh, his rule uh, with much joy. And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.